Mosaic believes that the church is designed to be a genuine community of people, creating a safe space of belonging for all, seeking to serve our neighbors with the compassion of God, providing opportunities to learn to be more like Jesus, and living life well together. This can't happen in a one-hour time slot on Sunday mornings, yet we desire to be a worshiping, missional community in Clayton, North Carolina. Visit MosaicClayton.com or find us on Facebook, Mosaic Church of Clayton. Take a look at the book of Joshua, chapter 3, verse 1. Our narrative this morning is uh, a hard leadership transition. So after boldly stepping out of hiding, going to Egypt and demanding for Pharaoh to release God's people, Charlton Heston did a great job of that. Moses is then called to lead the people out of Egypt. They do this uh, amazing thing of crossing the Red Sea. They enter into the process of going to the Promised Land. And yet the people find themselves unfaithful. They can't capture the vision of what God is trying to lead them into. This dream that God has for them to go into the promised land. The people become unfaithful. Moses becomes unfaithful. They are forced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And then the book of Deuteronomy tells us that Moses died. So the mantle of leadership was passed from Moses to a man named Joshua. Deuteronomy 34.9 tells us that Joshua, son of Nun, was a man of spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him and the Israelites obeyed him, doing what the Lord commanded. So who is Joshua? Well, he was born into slavery in Egypt, like most of his counterparts of the Hebrew people. His name should be familiar to it. It's the Hebrew version of a Greek name you know as Yeshua, Jesus. So the name means salvation. Joshua becomes the right-hand man of Moses. He is right there with Moses through the Egyptian trials. He goes with Moses on top of Mount Sinai where Moses receives these Ten Commandments. But then this amazing thing happens that he becomes selected as the successor, the leader of the new people. We learn something key about Joshua's character because when Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land to scout it out, he and a man named Caleb come back as the minority reporting that they believe that God would help them overcome all their enemies, that God would fulfill God's dream for the Hebrew people, yet they were silenced because 10 of the 12 told them they could not. And so Joshua and Caleb are only two of the 12 who were permitted to enter into the promised land. So after goofing up time and time again, after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, the people are on the precipice of entering into God's promise. This promise that was made to Abraham long ago, they were entering into this time of capturing what God has in store for what's next. It was a time of discernment. We are in a time of discernment. Any time a pastor transitions, there is anxiety and there's excitement and stress. Oftentimes it could lead to this feeling of, this is it. But the thing is, as we've been talking about over the last couple weeks, this is not it. This is the beginning of a new chapter for Mosaic. God has something in store for Mosaic. A beautiful chapter of what is next. But where is God leading? That's the question I want us to consider this morning. So for this, we take a look at Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. 
It says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officials, officers, excuse me, went through the camp, giving orders to the people, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your position and to follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. This is the generation of the Hebrew people who learned from the mistakes of those who came before them. While the generation before them had been unfaithful to God, they had failed to capture the dream and vision that God had set before them, this group of people knew God. They loved and they trusted God. And this is an overwhelmingly evident in even the small things they did as the way they treated the ark. The Ark of the Covenant was this ancient symbol of God's presence among the people. It was built during the wilderness wandering period. It was a symbol of God's glory. So when you imagine it, imagine a 4x4 four four type of chest, gold wooden chest. It would have had two cherubims on top. It was called the mercy seat. It was believed that the presence of God was captured between these two cherubims. You probably more likely remember it from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Excuse me, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Whew, almost made a mistake there. Here's a fun fact, by the way. Rewatch that scene where they find the ark. Did you know that C-3PO and R2-D2 are in the golden uh, crowns around the ark? Just go back and look at it. You'll find it. Yeah, I know. Somebody just got up and left. They're like, I'm going to go see it right now to, to capture this moment. So the ark was treated with the utmost sacredness. It was believed to be the metaphorical, spiritual presence of God among the people. And so this is a sacred moment. Joshua is saying, we are going to take up the ark. The ark is going to lead us in the direction we go. It is a way of saying, here is God's presence. Trust what God is doing. And the people trusted and they loved God. You see, what Joshua is teaching us is that discerning what's next, it begins with God's leadership. The Hebrew people didn't treat God like some sort of spiritual mascot where you bathe godly language after you've already made the decision of what you really want to do in your life. They literally were allowing God to lead them into what was next. What did Joshua say? It will lead you because you have never been here before. If we truly want God to take the lead in giving us understanding and decision making and discovering what is next, it is in the small things and in the big things that we trust in God. Mosaic, it is so evident to me, always within this community, that this community loves God. But are we willing to trust God with our heart and our mind and our soul with what is next? Not trusting in ourselves, not trusting in the decisions we can make, not trusting in the plans we can put in place so that everything is perfectly aligned, so that we have it the way we want it. Can we trust in God's leadership for what is next? Now is the time to believe that we can trust the voice of God. Now is the time to believe that God is leading into something new. Did you catch what Joshua said in verse 4 when he said to the people, When you see the ark moving before you, then you will know which way to go. When six people formed together, um, this original core group of Mosaic, there was 
there was so much excitement. It was palpable in the air. And we didn't know what we were being called to. We just knew that we were being called as a group of people to do this thing that God was doing. So as we were trying to gather, we spent so much time in prayer. Because we knew that if we needed to discern and discover what was next, God was going to shape that. God was going to bring the formation around that. And so in our lives individually, in our time collectively, I'm sure that Jennifer and Craig were like, yeah, we spent a lot of time in prayer. We spent a lot of time in prayer. And it was to discover what God had in store individually outside of our time together. We spent time, we wanted to bring our hearts and our minds at the centerpiece of who God is and what God was calling us to do and to be. We wanted to be led by God. What does it say here in verse 7? It says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel, so that you may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the word of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Expecting mothers, those are great names you can pick for your child. Verse 11 says, See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Consider the brilliance and magnitude of this moment. The people of Israel are standing on the banks of the Jordan River. They are literally standing and what is between them is a body of water to the promise that God had made to them. Across the waterway there, hundreds of years before that, God made a promise to two people. To Abraham and to Sarah. That God would make a great nation out of their children. That this nation would be a beacon of light and hope to the entire world. God had made a promise. God was casting a dream of what was to come. Across this way, yes, there are these armies. Yes, there are these established areas. Yes, there is going to be difficulty. But this is the dream that God has ahead of you. And what is between us is a river. And yet God's leadership for these people, God brought them a vision of what was next. What was next was something new. It was something fuller. It was something holier. God was ready for these people to step out into this great dream, this great vision that God had given way back to Abraham, to Isaac, to Joseph, to all those that led them to this point. God had brought them to this place. It wasn't Moses. It wasn't Joshua. God led them to this place at this point. And this dream that God had in store for them would begin to be fulfilled. If they were to step forward into this dream, they would enter into the land, they would conquest the land, they would divide the land among the 12 tribes of Israel. And because of their faithfulness, we would be introduced to people like Ruth and Boaz and Hannah and Samuel and David and Solomon. These 12 faithful tribes stepping into the dream of God will become a great nation that would slip into unfaithfulness, that would be conquered by the Persians, by the Babylonians, by the Romans. But then through this great nation, this man named Jesus of Nazareth begins to walk among the people. All this began with a dream of what was across the river. 
because they were willing to capture the dream that God had in store for them right across the river. You see, when Mosaic was being formed, in the 11 months that our core leadership team met and we dreamed and we prayed and we envisioned what God was calling us to, we began to capture that vision, to see that it wasn't just some church that God was wanting us to start. You see, we looked in Clayton, and there, I don't know if you've ever driven around Clayton, there's like a church on every single street corner. And there are churches that do worship well. There's churches who do programs well. But we begin to see that there was churches who, who weren't focusing in on living life well together. And that was the dream that God had given us. To not just start a church and call it a community, but start a church community that is open for all people who can come, who can wrestle with the difficult questions of their faith, who can come and experience a different way of seeing the invitation of Christ, to ask those difficult questions, to push forward into new territories, to begin to form and build life together, to begin to see that there are real needs in this community. Not just things that we can do that make us feel better, charitable work, but to meet real needs and to help break cycles in people's lives. God was forming this dream within us to become a community of radical hospitality that no matter a person's story, no matter their life choices, no matter what they look like, that they would be welcome in this sacred community together. And for 11 months, this dream formed. For 11 months, God was building this vision. At the end of September of 2011, it was time for us to step in to that vision. A curious thing happens in the text next. When the people believed in God's dream of what was next, the priests stepped into the Jordan River, carrying the Ark of the Covenant with them, and in an instant, the waters of the Jordan drew back. This wasn't in the shallow waters of some tributary, but the scripture tells us it was at flood stage waters of the harvest. And just like the Red Sea 40 years before, God drew back the waters in a heap. And the people began to walk across one by one on dry ground into the promised land. The priest stood in the middle of the river as a symbolic symbol of God's presence. That God had led them to this point. That God was bringing back any obstacle in their way as they passed by. And as they passed by, God told Joshua to have 12 men pick up 12 stones from the middle of the riverbed. You see, this was a fascinating part of Joshua's story. You see, hundreds of years of people who had suffered under the hand of the Egyptian masters. For 40 years they had wandered in the wilderness in their unfaithfulness to God. And during this whole time, God was forming them and giving a dream of what was to come. But now this was the time where they were stepping out in faith and engaging the dream that God had given them. And they did. And Joshua is saying to them, God is leading you. Now go, step into the waters. See that God is doing something great. Live into the dream that God has for you. It's an amazing miracle. This drawing back of water. But I think the, the greatest miracle of this story is the people's faith to believe in God's dream and to step out and to make it a reality. We can often hear the dream of God. We can sometimes capture the vision of God. But are we willing to step out in faith and engage the dream that God has for us? Was it God has equipped you for such a time as this? For such a task as this? For such a dream as this? 
God has given us this beautiful community of beautiful dreams that we can build life together. This community knows the dream of the kingdom, but are you willing to step out in faith and engage God's dream? Are you willing to let God make you fuller and better and more like Jesus so that we can go into the world to go where God is leading us, to be the radical presence of Christ in this world? Did you notice that the ark entered into the water first? May this text remind us that God isn't just calling us somewhere, but that God is leading us to that point. God is fulfilling what God is expecting of us. And I love the end of the narrative. Flip to verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 19. It says, On the tenth day of the first month, the people went from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan as he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it before us until we crossed over. He did this so that the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. The Taj Mahal is a, a shrine built to one man's wife. Stonehenge was probably the work of an ancient alien race. We're not really sure. Check the facts on that. Great Wall of China is a structure that took over 200 years to build, except they didn't calculate in there that the gatekeepers would be bribed and let invading armies in. The Acropolis of Athens is a place of politics and philosophy and commerce and faith. The Roman Colosseum is the grounds of gladiatorial fights and prisoner executions. The Statue of Liberty, the Eiffel Tower, the Sphinx and um, Giza Pyramids, Machu Picchu, Big Ben, the Wailing Wall. These are all great monuments in the world. And each of these structures erected uh, somehow honor someone or commemorate a civilization of this world. Their visage is to, to tell the story of a great deed, of something good or for not. They help us remember. They tell a story. I love the symbolism of stones in this story. God doesn't just want Joshua to pick up 12 random stones as they're walking in the desert. God has them pick up 12 large stones from the middle of the riverbed. One for each of the tribes of Israel. And Joshua takes these stones and he stacks them in a monument. He gathers the people around the stones and gives them the best post-game speech of all times. He looks at them and he says, I want you to remember. I want your children and your children's children to remember what these stones mean. These stones mean that God is faithful. These stones mean that God brought us from one point to another point. These stones mean that God is at work in our past, God is at work at our present, and God is at work in our future. When you see these stones, remember what God did for us. These are not old stones. These are living stones that God is present among you. And so Israel memorialized these stones in the Jordan so that in the future they would remember. An essential part of our faith journey is to recognize and memorialize the moments that we see God at work. 
It's essential that we stack stones. It's essential that we tell the story of how God is at work in our lives and in the lives of our church community. Stacking stones remind us that God has been at work in our past, that God is working in our present, so therefore God will be working in our future. Are you telling the story of God? Are you telling the story of God? On Friday, September the 30th of 2011, Mosaic gathered for the first time outside of our core group. We didn't gather for worship. We gathered for a cookout to express that we were called to be a community together. We gathered at Craig Lee's old house. We invited friends to join us. That night, I met two people that had two blonde-haired kids. It was Alan and Don Pope. Little did I know that these two people would become an essential pillar of this church community for the next seven years. Two days later, we gathered at Heidi Woods Photography Studio, and that was the last Sunday we meet there because the town of Clayton has really crazy regulatory laws unless you're, somebody in your church sits on the council or whatever. We won't go there. This is recording on iTunes. Um, well, I can say whatever I want. It's the last Sunday, right? <laughs> the next Sunday, we gathered here. We've been here ever since. In Clayton Fitness, that first year, we would meet the Bacoras, we'd meet the Sertas, the Rapers, the Knuckles, the Caltons, Tracy, and Liberty. In the next two years, we would meet the Lanzolas, the Colfers, the Abbots, the Parkers, the Gallagher's, the Burks, and the Ritz. And the next few years after that, we would meet the Raiders, Mandy, the Bolies, the Hollands, Daniel and Jessica, the Smiths, the Himes, the Powers, the Ellises, and the Cooks, and on and on and on. We would discover new ways of being community together, of finding new friendships and bridging connections that we had together. We would begin to express ourselves in the mission work of God by building raised garden beds, by building a community garden, by doing things like Fifth Sunday missional projects and going on mission immersions together. We would discern ways that we could help identify our God-given strengths and talents to make this community a community by each of us putting in our part to make the vision a reality. This church is here. We are a community because of you. Because of your willingness to imagine the dream that God was giving us. And to step forward in faith to engage that dream. We've been in existence for almost eight years in October. Imagine what the next five years will look like. Imagine what the next 25 years will look like. Are you willing to see that there is a God-sized dream in store for this community? When you think about God's dream for Mosaic, what comes to mind? Are you willing to be formed by God to envision what is next? What does God want to teach us? Where does God want to stretch us? Are we willing to discern and engage that vision are we willing to cross the Jordan to get there? A few weeks back, uh, Gina and Alan gave our family a card. It was based on my favorite Dr. Seuss book, Oh, the Places You Will Go. I told Alan and Gina earlier that I pretty much started bawling when I was reading the card. Um, and I found these words to be fitting to end our conversation for this morning for what is next for Mosaic. This comes from Dr. Seuss's Oh, the Places You Will Go. Congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places, you're off and away. 
You have brains in your head and you have feet on your shoes and you can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own and you know what you know and you are the guy or the girl who will decide where to go. You'll look up and down streets, you'll look them over with care. About some you'll say, I don't care to go down there. With your head full of brains and your shoes full of feet, you're too smart to go down any not-so-good street. And you may find, and you'll want to go down, in that case, of course, you'll head straight out of town. It's open out there in the wide open air. Out, thing, out there, things can happen and frequently do to people as brainy and footsie as you. And things will start to happen. Don't worry, don't stew, just go right along and you'll start happening too. Oh, the places you will go. And you will succeed. Yes, you will indeed. 98 and 3 quarters percent guaranteed. Kid, you'll move mountains. So, be your name Jordy or Gina or Daniel or Alan Bartholomew Jefferson Pope. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting. So get on your way. Let's pray together.